You're listening to Shine On Policycast, Solar Power Europe's podcast that brings you EU solar policy updates in 10 minutes or less. I'm your host, Bethany Mabin, and this week I'm joined by Naomi Cheviard, our Head of Regulatory Affairs, and you can find her on Twitter at Naomi underscore CVD. Hi Naomi, welcome to PolicyCast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Um, so this week we'll talk about uh, electricity market design and uh, the proposal that came forward in the middle of March. Uh, it's a hot topic. Everybody had lots of feelings about it in the run-up to the proposal. Um, so maybe you can tell us a little bit about what the proposal uh, in March looks like. Yes, so... The proposal aims at uh, different things, right? First, uh, protecting consumers against uh, more price spikes, in particular by reinforcing the preparedness of their suppliers. Um, It also will improve uh, investments into new renewable capacities uh, to replace the gas that we yeah, we don't have. Uh, and, <laughs> and want to move away from. <laughs> yeah, and move, move, want to move away from. Uh, and also it has uh, good proposals to incentivize the deployment of flexibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, concretely, for solar, it means uh, different things. So one thing is that all new uh, investments uh, that are under uh, direct price support schemes so or support scheme from the government mm-hmm. will be under a contract for difference with uh, a quite um, a flexible design, so leaving some flexibility to the member states. Um, it also reinforces the uh, framework for power purchase agreements mm-hmm. by improving uh, the retailer's framework to facilitate it for retailers to enter into PPAs. Uh, and at the same time, it creates uh, incentives such as bank guarantees mm-hmm. uh, for off-takers willing to enter into PPAs. Uh, Another interesting thing is that it creates a framework for energy sharing, something that we've called for um, in particular. So, yeah, sort of legal framework, who does what uh, in order to do uh, energy sharing in the Baltic countries Mm -hmm. where you share uh, in the same bidding zone. So there are different models existing. we think it's interesting because it's going to really unleash the value of uh, local production of solar energy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's interesting to self-consume for a business during the weekdays, mm-hmm. but maybe in the weekends, if the business is closed, you might as well share the electricity with you know, the residential area close by. Um, we already had a framework for uh, self-consumption, but limited to individual houses. We had this concept of energy communities, but with like a heavy governance rules and in practice, no real uh, legal framework uh, to, to concretely do energy sharing. So what the text does is that it creates the legal framework. Yeah. Uh, it says that you have the right to do energy sharing. It also uh, requires your retailers to facilitate uh, doing energy sharing. And it requires a DSO to provide the data that you need to do the energy sharing. So that means that you can sell your excess solar, make money from it, but then whoever's buying it is buying it than buying energy at a cheaper than the market rate and everybody kind of wins. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and what we would like to see to really make the business case of this kind of models is to, to have the grid operators propose a specific grid tariff mm-hmm. so that in your electricity bill, you already pay a lower electricity cost because it's solar electricity, um, but you also pay a lower grid tariff 
because you, in a way you're helping the grid because you're optimizing the, the electricity consumption very locally. So energy sharing is good for the grid. It's in market design, which is great. Uh, and you mentioned kind of provisions for flexibility as well. I mean, do you want to go into a bit about that and how that helps the grid? Yes. Uh, so indeed, there, there are two elements. The first one relates to grid connection, mm -hmm. right? We, with the acceleration of the market, we have more and more uh, issues with accessing the grid. And there are simple solutions that you can already set up. Those who are in the market design is first uh, the mandatory publication of available grid capacity for developers to already anticipate where there is congestion, where on the country they can connect a, pro a project. The second thing is to allow DSOs to uh, do anticipatory investment. Mm -hmm. At the moment, DSOs have to wait until they see the grid connection uh, request pile up on their desks okay. before uh, reinvesting into, uh, into cables. So now they can anticipate that a bit more. Um, and the last thing is that DSOs can uh, finance operational investment. So that means instead of uh, investing only on capital investment, like uh, a grid, a new, a new cable, they can also finance uh, investments like smart grid solutions with all the data mm -hmm. treatment infrastructure that you have behind, or uh, frameworks to activate flexibility, like a local flexibility market or a time, uh, lower grid tariff, a time of use tariff. Yeah, so there's, there's quite a lot of good stuff there. I mean, there's, we've talked a little bit about the sort of pros um, in, in the existing text, but as the text kind of develops, I mean, where what are the areas where we'd like to see a bit more built out or, or, or changed or adapted? Overall, yeah, we are, uh, we're very, very positive with the text. Um, I mean, just to say a bit more about what's positive, because mm. the text is what it is, mm -hmm. but there's also what is not in the text and that shouldn't <laughs> get Mandatory back. CFDs. <laughs> exactly. I mean... No, the the first thing is the market revenue caps, mm -hmm. right? Because uh, this was uh, these caps were introduced with the emergency regulation mm -hmm. uh, in December, and uh, it was a nightmare uh, to implement them. In some countries, they don't even have the implementing acts because they don't know how to implement it. Mm -hmm. uh, and while they implemented it, it disregarded the PPA model. So those consumers who had investing into renewable uh, PPA solutions mm -hmm. were penalized. So it's good that uh, these caps are not prolonged. The second thing is that it preserves of the spot market, which is a market where you clearly see when you have too much or too little electricity, which is a great signal for uh, innovations like storage, like demand-side response. So this is preserved and that's that's very good. Um, among the things that uh, should be uh, improved, for example, uh, having a similar protection of PPAs against retroactive changes as there already exists uh, for CFDs would be would be a good improvement. Um, then there is uh, something that we'd like to see in the text, which is uh, the creation of a right for non-firm grid connection agreement. So tell me what that is. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so it's the idea that uh, if you are a consumer mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and you have the means to do flexibility mm -hmm. uh, with your project, um, oh my God, it's difficult to explain. <laughs> <laughs> the, the idea of the non-firm grid connection agreement mm -hmm. 
is it's a grid connection agreement where you uh, have a bit of curtailment. So either uh, all the time or at certain times of the day. Mm -hmm. um, the goal is to say, if you want to connect a solar panel, but at noon in summer, you will inject a lot of electricity mm -hmm. and the grid can't cope that, what the DSO will propose is a grid reinforcement with a, with a price, right? Mm -hmm. If uh, you have a battery with this solar panel or if you have an energy management system in your house that allows you to uh, stop the production uh, uh, of the solar panel mm -hmm. at certain times of the day or store the electricity, then uh, you should be proposed a grid connection agreements that that includes that option to stop the production at certain times of the day. So um, it's, it's really uh, the idea to... Uh, use the low-hanging fruits we have to to connect more solar capacities. Yeah, that makes sense. So if you make the life of the grid easier, um, you're kind of rewarded for it. Exactly. Yeah. Right. 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 Um, and then, are there other aspects of the of the EMD that you'd like to see fleshed out a bit as the as the process continues? Maybe one one key last aspect that we would like to see improve is indeed improving the framework for co-located solar and storage. Mm -hmm. um, so today, uh, you if you, you have a solar and storage plant, you're not uh, allowed to charge from the grid mm -hmm. with a battery. Uh, why? Because the regulator considers that if you charge from the grid, you cannot trace the green electricity mm -hmm. that is stored in the battery. Right. And you should not have access to the to the support scheme, so the contracts are different. Mm -hmm. But from a grid point of view, a battery is really useful mm -hmm. when it can perform all the services that we ask it to perform, right? Mm -hmm. So, so it's really a, an issue for the development of of solar and storage. Mm -hmm. um, there are solutions that exist, uh, like metering concepts that would allow to trace this uh, green electricity in the battery. Mm -hmm. uh, but we need to have them recognized by uh, regulators in order to allow uh, solar and storage to charge from the grid. Right. And presumably drive the development of more of these kind of smart energy yeah. systems that allow this traceability and flexibility that we're going to need <laughs> to build out the grid to the scale that it needs to be. Yeah. Um, so we talked a little bit about the content there. I mean, what process are, are we at now? So we had the proposal in, in mid-March. I think maybe the rapporteur was just named in the parliament. I mean, what are the, what are the sort of next steps? So the, the parliament will take a position relatively quickly. We understand that by September they should have a position. The council is getting ready to get a position even uh, faster with... Uh, with a general approach by June, mm -hmm. which means that they would go into trialogue uh, in the second part of this year and conclude by uh, the end of the year to have the legislation entering into force somewhere early 2024. Okay. So uh, this is very positive from our side because it would mean that we would have a new framework to replace uh, the emergency measures mm -hmm. and the market revenue caps. So we, we hope they can... Uh, they can concentrate on keeping this uh, this timeline and we'll probably have a deeper reform uh, with the next commission. Wow. So then uh, maybe we, we can come back and catch up on this once we have the EP position and the council position and uh, the duration that trilogues are going to go. Yes. Um, but thanks so much for your insights, uh, Naomi, and uh, yeah, hope to see you again soon on PolicyCast. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Shine On Policycast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to share on social media, tagging at SolarPowerEU.